0: Hi guys and welcome to the Mind Project with your hosts Laura Ash and Barry Ash and today we are so honoured to be joined by Kool Mahay. And I've known Cool for about a year now, and I'm so excited to have him on the FitMind Project because I know you guys are gonna be absolutely blown away by his story and get so much from it. So before we speak to Cool, I want to introduce him first so you know who he is, okay? So at the age of 16, Cool joined his local police force and he enjoyed a very successful career there, finishing up as temporary chief superintendent after 32 years service. He knew that retirement wouldn't suit him, so he followed his passion in creating leaders. So he took this passion and he reinvented, him, reinvented himself. And Cool is now an inner leadership coach. He teaches others to become leaders of their own lives by taking control of their own mindset. Now, Cool is an absolute force of nature to be reckoned with. And since we spoke just last year, he's rocketed his own business and all of this has been down to his relentless mindset of being a leader in his own right. Now he's written a book, Smash the Habit, which was born from his own experience of giving up long-held habits such as smoking and drinking overnight. And he is set to launch his own signature event, Ignite Your Inner Potential, and has already secured a deal to take this event internationally. Um, And we are so honored to have Cole here to talk to us today about his success and what it takes. So welcome, Cole. It's so amazing to have you
1: hi guys good to see both of you thank you very much for inviting
0: me here you're more than welcome so cool what we want to do is like we always do we want to start with your story you know we want our listeners to know more about you you know um who you are and how it is come to what you're doing now because you've had such a seasoned career that i know it's going to be so interesting to hear about
1: Yeah, well, um, as you say, you know, when I was at the tender age of 16, my passion from the age of 10 had always been that I wanted to be a police officer. Um, I used to live in a city called Wolverhampton, which is just near Birmingham. And uh, we lived in this uh, seven kids and two parents lived in a three bedroom terraced house. So you can imagine how cramped that was. Uh, But it was literally a stone's throw away from the football ground, the football stadium. And every Saturday, Saturday, what used to happen is that uh, the, the crowds for the football stadium used to walk past the bottom of our street. And I remember I used to, from the age of 10 onwards, I used to go down to the bottom of the street and I used to stand I'd sit on this, the corner of this brick wall. And I used to watch the crowds. I, used, I was amazed by it. But it wasn't the crowds that I was watching. What I was actually looking at were the big burly police officers in that smart uniform with a tunic on. Because back in those days, well, that's what we wore—the tunic. You know, it's a bit different now. Yeah. Uh, but I used to think, and I used to it used to make me think: this uniform stands for something. It stands for keeping the, uh, the the streets safe. It stands for protection. It stands for friendship. You know. And they used to say, you know, if you want to know the time, ask a policeman. And it was that kind of analogy that I used to have in my head. And the British police service, I still think, is by far the best police service in the whole world. You know. Yes. And so it stands for an awful lot. And as I used to, you know, started thinking about this more and more and more, I became more impassioned about being a police officer. Now here's a thing that I've learned subsequently. I didn't learn it at the time, but I've learned it subsequently. When you are so passionate about something in life, so much so that it overtakes your daily thoughts, it's the overriding thing that you think about every single day, that passion will take you somewhere. Mm-hmm. That passion Will actually bring results into your life. That passion will bring success in that area, whether you believe it or not. You have to just have a level of passion that is so strong that it's your overriding thought in the day, and that's what I teach people now. So, you know, I joined the police service at a time when there weren't many Asian police officers. I think when I got to my first police station at the age of 18, I remember. Uh, the local MP sent me a letter welcoming me because I was the first Asian police officer. I was forced to stand outside the police station to have my photograph taken so I could be on the front page of the paper. Love it. Thank, oh, goodness. Goodness, thank goodness life has changed so much so <laughs> since then. But uh, I had a, an amazing time in the police service. I really did. Tough times and good times. I've seen societies broken down to their lowest level. I've been in the middle of riots. Uh, I've seen individuals and families having been affected by the most awful of things. But I've also seen people grow. I've seen people being resilient. I've seen communities become extraordinary from the lowest levels, you know. And it's made me realize that every single one of us has a massive potential within us. The difference between whether a person is a success or a failure is whether or not they go into that potential and ignite it. That's why my signature event is called Ignite Your Inner Potential, because we have this magic inside of us and all we need to do, literally, is flick a switch. Yeah. Most of us aren't flicking that switch because we don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. So we're finding that switch. So i had an amazing time in the police service. You know, I've, um, I've pretty much done everything. I think I was probably the most moved superintendent uh, in, the, in the force because I was very often asked to go into this department or that department to go and fix this or that, or to increase the performance um I've been I've done all the secret squirrel kind of stuff, you know in intelligence, I've investigated murders, I've been in the middle of riots, I've commanded uh, football matches. I you know and then I've done all the strategic kind of stuff, you know I was like um, I used to wear my glasses to look clever, but I used to be in charge of all the strategy and the strategic planning side of things and the call center. For goodness sakes, they even made me at one point head of learning and development. I had nothing, no knowledge whatsoever about training, but they made me head of the department. But well, that was a, a fantastic experience. So, you know what, I've really enjoyed the foundation that the police service has given me and the learning that, and the wisdom that I've got from that. And I learned more from the tough times than I did from the good times. Okay. But about four years ago, I really questioned myself that uh, am I really changing the world as much as I want to. Because that's all I ever wanted to do. I I had a deep interest in people. I wanted to change the world. But I realized that with the police service, I'd lost count of how many dead bodies I'd seen. I'd lost count of how many post-mortems I'd been to. And I just asked myself, is this the right thing for me now? Because actually what I was doing, I wasn't changing the world as such. Mm. I was helping people respond to a situation that had already happened, a bad situation but I wasn't changing people from the inside out. Uh, So I made it my mission four years ago, five years ago now, uh, to start learning how to do this so that when I left the police service, I didn't want to sit down, I didn't want to rest. You know, So many police officers at the ages, young ages of 48, 49, retire from the service and then they think they can act like retired people, but actually making themselves old by doing that. I finished, I made sure I worked up till New Year's Eve I worked the New Year's Eve day, which, as you know, is the busiest day for police officers of the year. I worked that because I wanted to be symbolic in what I was doing. And then I woke up on the 1st of January 2015. And the first thing I did was go on the computer, create my company. And I had my first client that day. Wow,
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: Because I wanted to start off as I meant to go on. Yeah. It really is about that for me. And I think one of the greatest challenges that we have in life are not the challenges that are around us, but the greatest challenges are controlling your mindset so you can respond to them more effectively.
0: Yes, yes, definitely.
1: And you know, yes. I always use this phrase that the mind can be your greatest friend but also your worst enemy. Yes. And it really is about are you making friends with your mind? Do you understand your mind? You know, There's a great book out there called The Chimp Paradox where it describes... One part of your mind, what I would call the subconscious part of your mind, it calls it the chimp, and it calls the conscious part of the mind the human, and the human is a very logical, conscious person that's controlling your mind or using your mind, but the chimp is that emotional, uh, responsive, intuitive part of your mind, the gut response part of your mind, and it really is about making friends with that part of the mind and not forcing it to, but loving it into thinking in a different way changing your beliefs, changing your values, and responding in a different way to things that happen to you. And that's pretty much all I've done. And since I left the service and since I created my company, I've just been blessed with so much greatness around me. You know, I've connected with some amazing people. I've had some phenomenal opportunities, and I'm really enjoying the journey. I am nowhere near, nowhere near where I need to be, where I want to be. But I can see that every single step is going in the right direction. So in that case, I'm always celebrating.
0: That's absolutely fantastic. Um, Cool. And one thing I wanted to pick up there was you said you've seen, um, you know, communities destroyed and built up and everything. What's one thing that has surprised you about humanity through your time in the police?
1: What surprised me about humanity is that when the going gets tough, when the going is normal or it's good, we have too many distractions in our mind to start talking about nonsense that then divides us. You know, we start talking about um, <clears throat> things that divide us, we start complaining an awful lot. But when the community is at its lowest ebb, you have a singular focus. It's it's sort of going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay, so Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Maslow was a, a I think he was a scientist, several hundred years ago, where he designed this triangle and he said that your the, the first and basic need for any human need is food and shelter. Yep. Thereafter, it's about getting a job. Thereafter, it's about being part of a the community. Thereafter, when you've got all of that, it's about what you call self-actualization. That's about what, what, how can I grow to be an amazing person within this physical plane that we exist on? But when the community is stripped back to nothing, you know, maybe you've had a disorder, maybe you've had. a a hurricane come in or you've had some kind of disaster, everybody's mind is focused on that disaster. When people's minds are focused collectively on something like that, then they start becoming much more cohesive and they pull together. And that strength of people pulling together for a common purpose is quite remarkable. And I have seen communities literally transform from devastation to extraordinary. And we
0: saw that, actually, when with the death of Diana, how the country literally came together. Um, And I think there's been studies on that since, actually, about how when something happens in that one central focus, that they all come together. And you can almost apply that to yourself. And when you are focused with, like yourself... You know, you as you said, you left the force on the first. That was your focus. That was what you were going to do. And you had that laser focus, and you got your first client. And yeah. would you say that focus is one of the key things in helping what you've done to be able to be so successful with that clarity?
1: Absolutely, I live my life on a daily basis uh, by using my three C's. I have three C's that I, I stick to. So I think you need to be. Absolutely constant in what it is that you want to do. Yeah. So don't just do something a bit today, a bit tomorrow, leave it a couple of days and a bit, you know, as, as physical trainers, you know yourself that constant being constant in your efforts is so critically important. Yeah. My second is that you need to be consistent.
0: Yeah.
1: So you need to be consistent in terms of the level of quality that you're putting in. Yeah. You can't you can't you can't take shortcuts. You need to be absolutely consistent. You can't do it one way one day and do it a different way the the next day because people get confused. If you're running a business, if you're trying to develop a business and develop a brand more importantly, if you're one person one day and you miss a Jekyll one day and you miss a Hyde the next day, people are going to get confused. So you need to be consistent. And my third is you need to be concerted. And this is where laser-sharp focus comes in. If you are absolutely concerted in everything that you do, getting rid of all the distractions from around you, for that moment in time, say, I am only focusing on this issue, then you get far better results. Uh, And even if it's for only half an hour. Uh, Let's just dip into your world again. If we're talking about high intensity uh, training, what is that? If nothing else but them being laser sharp focus on one activity for a very short period of time. We all know nowadays, you know, uh, the high intensity t- training really, really works. Yep. Why does it work? It's because you are absolutely laser sharp focused for a, a fraction of the time that you wouldn't be if you'd been in, doing old fashioned training on weights or, weight or whatever else because you are laser sharp focused on that. So I think uh, laser sharp focus, being concerted is absolutely mm-hmm. critical to your success. So those are my three C's. I love that. Absolutely really
2: fantastic. I, lo- I love three C's. I love when we can break it down into easy steps and i think easy steps is the way people can be more consistent with what they're doing breaking things down
1: now yeah hey, absolutely uh, i was taught um i went on a course last year where they said that the human mind works with breaking things down into either a story or an alliteration or a snappy phrase Metaphors. okay so whether if anyone's listening to this whether you are writing a book whether you are creating some content for a presentation that you are doing and you want a title, or whether you want to t- get some learning points for that presentation, I did go for some alliteration, So my mind there was uh, concerted, consistent, and um, concerted, consistent, and constant. Yeah, <laughs> I nearly <laughs> got my own. Phrase. <laughs> um, my the name of my book was Smash the Habit. It stands out, you know. So those kind of phrases not only helps other people but it helps you to remember yourself as well. Definitely. So living my life by the three Cs is so easy because I remind myself every day, yeah, three Cs, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. So it is that level of simplistic that we need to get to.
0: And is it through these three Cs? Because you, I mean, this is incredible. And there's so many people that have bad habits, okay, but everybody has habits. Now, some of them are bad, some of them are good. And you have smashed your habits overnight and this includes smoking drinking eating meat tea and uh coffee and juices to name a few now how so many people are going to be listening to this and go what that's ridiculous (laughs) but you know it is possible and i know that you you know have been able to do this and how have you managed to do this what can you share with our guys
1: Well here's the thing guys, the first thing is that when we mention habits, we automatically think of addictions. When we think of addictions, we think, oh my goodness, you have to go to a special place to get rid of this behavior. That's what we're taught. That's what society tells us. You have to go to some clinic, you know, and you hear about some celebrity that goes off and disappears for a few months to this clinic or whatever else. Here's the thing. I don't think habits are necessarily physical. They manifest physically. But actually, they start off in your mind. Mm. So any habit, any physical habit that you've got is only a mind habit. If you start thinking it of in that context, then you won't need to have some some kind of alternative uh, thing that you need to take. You know, methadone, or or if it's a drug habit, or or you know um, these e-light cigarettes mm. that everyone seems to be trending with nowadays. You wouldn't need that because you recognize it's not a physical habit, it's a mental habit. Mm. So all you then need to do is get into your mindset and start resolving that habit. The first step I would share with everyone is that you've got to acknowledge your habit. If you don't admit to yourself that you've got a habit, then how on earth are you going to start tackling that habit? So admit that habit to yourself, number one step. Number two step is literally going and analyzing the habit and the, the effect that it has on your life. Now that, Laura, as you've quite rightly said, the effect that it has on your life might be a bad effect, but it might be a good effect. It could be a bad habit or it could be a good habit. If you're not sure of what effect it's having on your life, then picture yourself having the habit, picture yourself having the habit for another five years. What would your life look like? It's as simple as that. When you've got clear in your mind that the habit is not good for you, then we can get into start breaking these habits. And what, what I do in my book, and this is literally sharing my story and what I've done with my clients, is uh, the process that I went through, not from a physical point of view, but from a psychological point of view, to get me to not even want this thing in my life, whatever that thing is. you know. And, uh, and then I've given you some, some, some techniques within the book whereby you can take it a step at a time, a day at a time, And how to celebrate that, and how to then grow and develop another habit that's the opposite of the habit, plug the gap, and before you know it, you've got to transform lives. And that's what it's all about for me. It's all about transforming lives.
0: Because we talk about habits, and sometimes we hear a lot of people who are smokers, and they give up smoking, but they replace it with someone else, and I use the Christmas tree analogy, so... You know, at Christmas, you have the tree up, it looks amazing. Then you take it down and it looks bare and you think, oh, a lamp would look nice there. And uh, it's the same thing. You swap one habit for another. How did you ensure that you didn't swap smoking for eating? Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, Um, I think firstly, the point is that uh, you're absolutely right. When you take one habit habit out of your life, you leave a gap. Mm. So it is important that you put something into that gap. You know, so the room, if, if it were a room, the room would not look out of place. So your mind doesn't feel out of place. Uh, so with my smoking, for example, I plugged that habit uh, with, in the initial stages, it was with sweets at that time. Ah, interesting. So for a short period of time, I was having sweets. Uh, and I, I've got this uh, this thing about boiled sweets now, you know, if I'm on a long journey, I have to have a boiled sweets. <laughs> but um, I plugged it with boiled sweets, but then after that, you know, it's about... I had a, a different way of eating, a different lifestyle altogether. So I've broken so many habits that so my whole life has transformed from where it was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. It's completely different. You know, ten years ago I might have had a drink, but I don't drink anymore. So you know, I've plugged that habit with lemon water, and if I really want to go go out, to, go to town, I'll have sparkling water. So if I really want to spoil myself or want to feel different, then I'll have some sparkling water. Um, So I've plugged so many gaps. I mean, I've plugged my gap with tea and coffee. I have um, green tea. But I only have two green teas a day. So I'll have one in the morning and I'll probably have one later on in the day, not in the evening. But if I feel like I want something else, then I can either have peppermint tea or I'll just have a, a cup of hot water. And both feel different and both feel good to me now, you know. Yeah. So this is how you can do that, and and of course, you know, the whole fizzy drinks and um, the, the the juices and things like that. I don't just don't do those, but you know, you can always make a nice sweet smoothie.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it is as easy as that. You know, nature has given us an abundance of beautiful fruits that are quite sweet, and I know that you can overdo the fruits, but Hey, I I always say this it, nature's food, so I'm going to eat it. Definitely, you know? I
0: totally agree. And
1: I'd far rather eat that than eat something really, really bad that's processed and you know and got all sorts of E numbers in it. So, so that's how you do it. This is not about me saying to you, this is how to live a, an amazingly healthy life. This is just saying if you're not happy with a habit, this is how you replace it.
0: Yeah, I get that. And just recently as well, you've gone through. You decided that you were going to transform your body as well. Yeah. And what kind of mindset did it take for you to do that?
1: Do you know what? That was um, in the initial stages, (laughs) and you're going to smile at this very easy, and then he got to a very difficult part, and then he got into an addictive part, almost quite addictive.
0: Ah.
1: Uh, So... I was turning 50, I turned 50 about uh, three months ago, and um, because I'd been working on my business so much last year, I literally was chained to the desk, and I, I wasn't doing much you know, physically, uh, and yet I'd always been quite a physical kind of guy, uh, so it, it, back in December of last year, I decided that I needed to be fitter uh, than I was before, and I suddenly decided I was going to push myself that stage further, and challenge myself, and become fitter at 50 than I was at 30. Yeah. And that is in terms of my mindset, my stamina, my body shape, my, my strength, everything. So I engaged with a, an old friend of mine uh, who's a, also a former police officer, and she's an amazing, inspiring individual. Her name's Alison, Alison Booker. And she's an incredible individual. Uh, reminds me very much of you, Laura, in terms of the stuff that she does. She competes. She's doing a nutrition degree. She, you know, she's taking it to the next level. She, yeah. It's not all about fitness for her, it's about mindset, it's about nutrition, it's about all sorts. Mm. Uh, so she started training me, but she's only five foot. But I'll tell you what, she's like a powerhouse.
0: <laughs> and she was
1: killing me every single day. And that's where I sort of started thinking, oh dear, what have I done? But then it becomes quite addictive. You know, yes. especially when she started introducing some of the more exciting stuff like sledgehammers and tractor tyres and
0: yeah, cool. you know, all this
1: kind of stuff. I enjoy that kind yeah. of stuff. And, and so once I'd started smashing a few tractor tyres, it was it was a game over for me. I just got into it. And since then, uh, I started doing Insanity, the Insanity workout, yeah. seen on television. I did it for three weeks and then my knees gave way. Uh, so I've got my knees strapped up at the moment. I'm still going to the gym. But what I've committed to, I, I never let myself off. I'm going to go back to Insanity uh, when I when I feel my knees are right and I'm going to start right from the start again. Yeah. So I need to finish Insanity by the end of this year.
0: And I love that um, mindset you've got there of like, right, this worked, but I had to stop for a bit, so I'm going to do something else. Because a lot Absolutely. of people will go, oh, no, it didn't work for me. I'm just not going to do that and that's it. I'm going to give up. But the fact that you've gone, no, I'm going to trust me else. And you've almost you know transform and metamorphosize from a caterpillar to a butterfly and chameleon like do you know what i mean to to move around and 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 adapt and everything
1: it's about
2: changing your approach isn't it
1: yeah it is and you know again barry it's all about plugging those gaps so insanity i took insanity out because i had to do but i had to plug that gap so i'm not going to plug that gap with gorging myself on fatty food that'd be stupid so i want to plug that gap with something that's good for me and as it happened, at that time, this is how law of attraction works for me, at that time, a really good friend of mine said, I've just set up a home gym, but I have no idea how to use it. You've done an awful lot of training in your life. Would you mind training with me? So I'm actually training somebody else in his home gym, and we're having a well of a time. Awesome. It's so such good fun, and it happened literally straight after Insanity. So. Brilliant. And there
0: you go. I,
2: I love the way you say the law of attraction, because we've all got this, yeah. this own belief system around how we attract things if we put more work in we we get more things coming to so what what's your your thought process and your belief around law of attraction
1: well i'm not entirely sure if my belief system around law of attraction is the same in a, as everyone else's it's, it's become like a phrase that we throw around an awful lot isn't it yeah and, and i look at law of attraction from both a spiritual side and also from a scientific side um so I'm big into spirituality. God is big in my life, and, and and I think that level of faith, faith is so very important. So if you have faith in something that you're aspiring towards, that belief that you've got that drives of faith will drive your passion, will drive your actions, will drive your results. That's how I see it. So having faith in things is really, really good. When you have faith in God, or faith in the universe, or whatever you want to call it, it really doesn't matter to me. So you can call it energy, you can call it universe, you can call it god Allah, whatever you want to call it when you have a deep sense of faith that deep sense of faith is driven by passion driven by belief drives your actions drives your outcomes in your life and from a scientific perspective you know um, i just came to realization that we're, we're actually electromagnetic beings you know so every time we're moving any part of our body including our organs they are only moving because of the electrical si- signals we're sending to our brains, and electrical impulses being sent back. So this is happening all the time throughout our body. So therefore, we are generating electricity, mm. and we have this electric force around us. Now, some spiritualists will call this your aura. I call it your ele- electromagnetic field. And I think the more you have faith, the more passion you have, the gr- the, the greater your belief system the more your electromagnetic field is going to grow. And here's a key thing, because your electromagnetic field is magnetic, that's when it starts pulling other things towards you. Mm. So when people talk about law of attraction, they talk, they talk about think it, believe it, and receive it, what well, they're actually saying is the more you feel it, The more you're passionate by it, the more you believe it, the greater your energy field around you. And that electromagnetic field that is around you is is acting like a magnet, is pulling other energy towards you. That other energy that comes towards you is transforming your life. But here's the key thing about law of attraction. Law of attraction will never, ever work if you don't take action. There's an old analogy, I think, in the Bible that says, God only helps those who help themselves. So, guys, if you're not going to take any action, then don't expect any results. You can think and you can believe and you can have faith and passion for as many things as you want. But if you're not acting on those passions, then do you know what? You'll still be in the same place tomorrow. Mm. That's that my take.
2: I love that. I think that's, that resonates really, really strong with me.
0: And it is um, ask and you shall receive. But a lot of people are, they don't know they're asking for it, but they live in that kind of mindset and that, a law of attraction of basic, basically just crap. Do you know what I mean? That's a
1: good point. So, you know, so let's just flip what I've said. So, if I'm, I'm talking about if you have some faith in something, you have a real passion for it, you have a real belief in it, and you're magnating that, you know, you're attracting other energy towards it. And you're right, Laura. Flip side is if you really believe your life is shit, if you really believe that things aren't going to work out, if you really believe people aren't nice, if you really believe that the world is a bad place. Well, if you really believe that all oh, bad things only happen to you, guess what? That level of belief that you've got is driving that negative passion that you've got, is driving that negative energy field around you, and is now attracting negative energy towards you, that then supports that blooming belief that you've got. And because that belief is being supported, your belief grows.
2: Yeah. Compounds so you are attracting yeah, bad plan.
1: things, bad things happen, you believe in them more, so therefore you're attracting even more bad things. Exactly. You can flip it. You can flip it to the other side. Yeah, definitely. But don't accept overnight results. Overnight results don't work. Everything in life that's worth having takes time and effort and, more importantly, action.
0: Definitely. And you need to be constant, consistent, and concerted with it. I was just about (laughs) about to say that. I was just about to say that. (laughs) I
1: love (laughs) it. I love. I'm going to copyright those. (laughs) (laughs) No.
0: You You should do. You said that um, you learn a massive amount in the tough times that you've had. What yeah. are some of the key things that you've learned in your tough times that have helped you today?
1: That's a good question because you know there've been there's been a lot of tough times. I just don't talk about my my tough times until I'm on a stage, you know, and I want to show people that vulnerability is good or or no matter what happens to you in life, you can still move forward. I mean I Back in 1990, I nearly died. I was 50 15 in hospital. I had tuberculosis of my left lung. I had half my left lung eaten away. I was coughing up pints of blood that night. I remember that very clearly. And um, I think my love for people grew from that moment because I realized how important people were in my life. And as it happened, I was born and bred in Wolverhampton, but I've always lived in Derbyshire because that's where I moved to when I joined the police service. Whereas it happened, I was when I fell ill, I was in Wolverhampton, my, my parents' town again. And when I came to, I was in the hospital for several months after that. But when I came to, one of the first nurses that came to me to attend me was a, a very old school friend. We'd been to school together, and she recognised me. I, I recognised her when I came to, and we developed a good relationship from there on in. And I realised one thing. During my stay in there, um, the nurses tended to come into my room more to talk to me. And I realized that it matters how you talk to people if you want to attract people towards you. It is so very important how you talk to people. So if you are a shop owner, if you want people to come into your shop more, you've got to make your shop more attractive, more customer friendly, more. um, you've got to offer the right things. You've got to make people feel good, and you've got to do it with a sense of value and service. So that's sort of how I lead my life, and that's how I led my life as a leader. Um, I was different from any other police leader uh, around at the time in my force, and I was told this on a number of occasions, um, because firstly I I, I didn't want to rely on what was on my shoulders to tell people what to do. I wanted to rely on the respect that I'd gained uh, from my staff to to get them to do and perform to the highest levels. So I realized that people are so very important from 1990. I've been through a couple of divorces. I've had some tough times in divorces. I've even struggled financially as a consequence of one of those divorces. And it made me realize that, you know, money's not the most important thing in life. It really is not. If you are happy and you've got good relationships around you, if you've got a good relationship with yourself, you can have the most simplistic of lives and be ec- ec- ecstatically happy. Hmm. I remember after one of my divorces, I was living in a, a tiny old flat behind a barber shop and I barely had room to squeeze a single bed into one room. Wow. And my kitchen was about four foot square and I had one living room. But do you know what? The happiest moments, some of my happiest moments in my life were in that flat because it was in that flat that I meditated so much and it was in that flat that I crystallised my dream after the police service, and it was in my flat that actually, eventually, um, I met some of the most incredible people who have helped me move on. And that simple flat, that was, you know, so far away from where I used to live, from the trappings that I was used to, that simple flat was far, far better for me and to me.
0: That's amazing. Because you must have had times where you had limited self-belief about yourself.
1: Oh, goodness. I think everybody has those. And I have those now. And how do you deal with them? This is about understanding and and accepting uh, that you're never the perfect article. You are never complete. And you cannot afford to be complacent. So every time I do something new, every time I step out of of my comfort zone into what I call the growth zone, because language is so important, I call it the growth zone. So every time I step into the growth zone, of course I'm going to be nervous. And being nervous means that you're going to have some limiting belief that you're challenging in your head, otherwise you wouldn't be nervous. Mm -hmm. But being nervous can be quite good for you. If you're not nervous, then it means that you're not outside your comfort zone and you're not going to grow, therefore. So, every time I'm doing something new, I, I, I have these beliefs where I'm saying to myself, oh, eventually they're going to find out that I'm a fraud, or or, or people will realize that I'm not good enough and I can't compete with these people, or, um, you know, um, I'm going to make a mistake, uh, I'm going to be crap. If somebody interviews me, I'm, I'm going to say the wrong thing. <laughs> now I'm so authentic, you know, I, I am so true to who I am. I'll talk the way I want to talk and if it works for the podcast or the interview that I'm on, then great. Yeah. But authenticity I think is so very important. You've just gotta be true to yourself. I don't compete with other people, so now I don't if I find myself thinking, Oh, look how well this guy is doing or this person is doing in personal development, I should be as good as that. I check myself and say, Well, they've got their own journey. You don't very know true. their journey. I've got my journey and actually they might be looking at me and saying look at him look how well he's doing you know so a lot of the thoughts that we have a lot of those limiting beliefs that we have a lot of the fears that we keep in our heads are n- nothing but lies they are predicated on a future a potential future that we think might occur but we don't we know isn't there yet mm. you know so we develop a fear around it we develop a limiting belief around it but we don't even know it's going to happen and yet we, we we afford it so much time and space in our heads. So now I just tell myself I'm lying to myself. But if I'm thinking bad things, I tell myself I'm lying to myself and I need to get out of that because I need to be authentic and I need to be honest. That's
0: brilliant. And I know it just even just that as well will help so many people, 100%. 100%. Just hearing that. I, I was
2: talking to a client this morning and she was taking a PT client mound um, for a workout. And she said, this person kept following me around the gym. She was looking at me. Making sure I did things right. She was making sure I ma- didn't make mistakes. I said, "How do you know that? Did you go and ask her?" She was no, but I just knew. I said, "No, you didn't. You're creating all them negative thoughts in your head, and you're making but yourself feel shit by making this story up." Tell me exactly what they And lying to
1: yourself, lying so to true. yourself. You know, and that's when, it, when I, I use that language, such such strong language. When I tell myself I'm lying to myself, it makes me feel bad about doing it. Yeah. yeah. That's why I call myself a liar when I'm when I'm doing this to myself. You know. I don't do this with clients, but when I get the right kind of client, because they need to be able to accept this, I will call them a liar. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: No, <and> it's so <laughs> nice when you get them clients, <laughs> and you can be true yeah. and you can tell them straight.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's very true. I had a client yesterday, a brand new client yesterday, I went to go and see, and uh, she, she, her fear, and we're still exploring it, but she said, um, she said she had a fear of driving on dual carriageways. And she says, I've had it for 10 years. I said, so how has it sort of restricted you in your life? She said, because I can't drive on dual carriageways. She says, I'm normally restricted for driving four or five miles in my car. But after that, I have to take public transport. And I have to take the train. I can't go in a coach. Uh, I have to take the train. And I thought, this is crazy. And I said, so where has this fear come from? You know, so how long have we had it? And... uh, where does it come from? What's your level of happiness? I always ask this, what's your level of happiness? And when we explored her life, there's so much stuff going on inside her life, bless her, that when we explored the other things and I asked about the dual carriageway again, the dual carriageway is like that that big in her list of worries. The rest of her life is that much. Wow. So she's lying to herself about the dual carriageway because she didn't want to face all these other big issues up here. Yeah. And it just became a distraction. So we're having the next session on Thursday and I'm jumping in the car with her and I'm, I've told her already that you're, 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 you're going to stop lying to yourself and she is going to drive on a dual carriageway. Oh, me? I, I love it. This time.
0: I <laughs> love it. That's fantastic. And I know she'll just smash it with you being her coach. Oh, she, it'll be brilliant.
1: be fine. Um, Ten years later. <laughs>
0: oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Chris, isn't it? So we want to be able to finish up with eight quick-fire questions, okay? And these are oh, fun, no. so we'll have a bit of a... Yeah. I mean, I could talk for hours to you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just Likewise. crazy. So, Barry, do you want to go you with go You go first. Okay, so number one, your most inspirational quote. My most
1: inspirational quote? Well, the one inspirational quote that sticks in my head and I use it so much and I live my life by it absolutely is a a famous quote from Jim Rohn who said, and I see Jim Rohn as the godfather of personal development, Mm. I think he was the one, Uh, but Jim Rohn said that you become the average of the five people whose company that you keep most. Mm. Now just from that one quote, you could really analyse your life. You could ask yourself, who's in my inner circle? And if the people are in your, in your inner circle are below you in terms of their achievement or their thinking or their mindset, then guess what, your average is going to come down. Mm. If they're at your level, in terms of your their level of mind development and thinking, then you're going to stay where you are, mm. but they need to be higher than you. So essentially what that quote is saying is, Keep the company of people. If you want to be successful, keep the company of people who are more successful than you. Yes. Because then your average will rise. Yes. So I use that an awful lot. Yes. And so when we- I talk about success, I'm not talking about material success. I'm talking about success in every area of your life.
2: So question number two: What's your favourite destination you've been to, and why?
1: Bali. Without without question, Bali. I love it. <laughs> I, <laughs> it, I, I went to bali for the first time last year and loved it so much that this year i forced my partner to go to bali and she loved it did she so I, I love it because it's so beautiful the people are so simplistic and they you have this real belief in energy which i get completely so I, yeah i love bali love it
0: we haven't been we must go i
2: think that's another destination oh, definitely,
1: definitely
0: on the bucket list cool Incredible. What do you want to be known for?
1: Uh, what do I want to be known for? That's a really good question. And I think it takes me to my mission statement. Uh, and my mission statement is that I want to change the world through the transformation of how people think. I love that. If, if I'm known to have changed the world to become a better place, in a, even by the tiniest amount, uh, by transforming the mindset of people around the world, then that's great. My hero was always Wayne Dyer. And if I can leave half the legacy that somebody like Wayne Dyer leaves, then I'll be a very blessed man.
2: I'm going to need to check out who Wayne Dyer is, because my naivety, I don't know oh. who he is.
1: I <laughs> Wayne Dyer. He passed away, unfortunately, last year. I had four heroes that I wanted to see last year, uh, and they were Anthony Robbins. These are the people that I wanted to aspire and be better than. Anthony Robbins, um, Les Brown. And I got to see both of them, Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer. And unfortunately, Wayne Dyer died before uh, I could get to see him. But yeah, I really love him. Wayne Dyer is amazing. We'll check him out. There's a film that you can watch uh, called Shift, which is free. Free download, I think, on YouTube. Uh, S-H-I-F-T, Shift. Uh, And that's the Wayne Dyer film that that was launched free after his death. Oh, cool. We'll
0: watch that. We'll We'll
1: do
2: that.
0: And we'll tell our guys to watch it too. So (laughs)
2: question number four, what's your favourite movie and why?
1: Ah, that's an interesting one. Now, I guess you're probably going to expect me to say something like The Secret or The Peaceful Warrior.
0: (laughs) You know what?
1: In some ways, they are good movies and I love them and I'd watch them over again. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life is a, is a firm favourite, Roundabout Christmas time. Have you ever watched that? No. no, I've not seen that one. Oh my god, what, what are you doing, you guys?
2: <laughs> We're more of a trains, planes and automobiles or <laughs> <laughs> trading places.
1: <laughs> you have to watch, you have to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. And it's, a, it's an old movie, but a very powerful movie. I think it's like the most watched movie at Christmas.
0: Right, we'll watch it this
1: Christmas. Incredible movie. But my favorite movie is way off the wall. It's a movie called The Warriors. Yeah.
2: Wow, oh, no, that's and a good film.
1: 1979.
2: Yeah. That
1: me and my brothers watched when it first came out, we watched it together and I lo- we, we lost sight of it for like 20 years. And then suddenly it started coming on again. And it's on Netflix I now. And I love it. It's on Netflix now, yeah. All-time favourite movie. But I guess there's a, there's, a, there's a meaning to it as well, you know. They were like a small gang in the middle of New York and they had to find their way back home after having been falsely accused of murdering a big gang leader. Uh, and they stayed true to themselves. They were good guys and uh, they made it home successfully yeah. and the bad guy got caught. It's brilliant. It's really good film. film. Really good thing. film. Watch so it, Laura.
0: I will do. It's more homework. <laughs> um, what's your favourite song of all time and why? What's my favorite? What sorry? Song.
1: Song. song. Mm. Uh, Well, I am a huge Beatles fan. (gasps) Me too. Me too. (laughs) And uh, my favorite Beatles uh, songs—I have two or three actually. Um, My number one, I guess, is Help. Yeah. Because if you look at the lyrics of Help, it says so much. I think a lot of the Beatles songs had a lot of meanings to them.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, My other second favourite song would probably be Let It Be.
0: Mm, Love that one.
1: And they both have different meanings for me, but both powerful. That's cool. So I have two favourite songs. It would be those two.
2: Question number six. What's your first childhood memory? Wow. (laughs) Making you think today, aren't we?
1: Yeah. That one, that's a tough one. See I I'm gonna share some vulnerability with you or some embarrassment. I remember once back in the day when I was a kid, you know, you you could go out and disappear into the park, you know, and we used to build dens and things like that. And well from about five or six years old. You could go out and do that and um, and you were like only half a mile away from us and nobody worried, did they? Back in those no, days. Nobody no. worried. You'd leave the doors open. And I remember once I'd been to the park and uh, I was dying for the lure and it was a number two. <laughs> I, remember I ran all the way home. I was maybe five or six years old. I said to my mates in the park, I'm, I'll be back. And I was banging on the front door to get my sister to let me in. But she thought it was really funny to leave me out there. And guess what happened? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you went anyway. <anywhere. laughs>
1: <laughs> my grandmother was not very happy with it. Uh, oh, I yeah, love after it. A change, after a change of clothing, and half an hour later, I was back with my mate.
2: Brilliant.
0: That's brilliant. I bet it's the first time you've spoken about that on camera. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. I love it. That's probably one of the best first childhood memories we've yeah. had. Um, <laughs> I love it. What's one question you've never been asked, but you've always wanted to be asked it?
1: Oh, wow. That is a big one. That is. That is going to make me think. One question that I've never been asked, that I've been with I guess, uh, I guess there would be so many. Um, one of the questions that I guess I'd love to be asked is. <laughs> Tricky, yeah. isn't it? me because that needs some serious thinking. I, um, there's some stuff that's coming to my mind, but I guess one of them would be, and it might not be the one, but it's the one I'm going to think about just now. Is um, so, what does success look like for you, ultimately? Yeah. You know, because nobody really asks you that. You know, people say this, and it's nice because people celebrate your journey with you, and you know, we have some really um, fantastic discussions about where we are, how we're going on, but where is it that I want to be, yeah. really? Mm. And um, ultimately, I have this dream. Uh, and I've never shared this before either, but I have this dream. And it's a vision of, and I'm convinced it's a vision of my own death. It's not morbid or anything. Yeah, that's no, it's
0: good. Yeah.
1: What I think is going to be my dying moment. And it is that I'm in an old house, a big old house, my house, so it's obviously going to be a nice old house, nice big old house, so that demonstrates some level of success. Um, I've got a lot of people around me, loved ones, family, yeah. children, grandchildren, you know, um, brothers, sisters, everyone is happy, yeah. nobody is sad, there is no tension in the air, there is nothing but love in the air, Yeah. Um, there's a, everyone is off to my left, you know, all around there, talking, laughing. I can hear all of the laughter. I can hear the talks. And I'm sitting in a, a rocking chair or an armchair in front of a, a nice fireplace and the fire's going. And it feels like Christmas time. It yeah. feels like Christmas time, which I think is a lovely time of the year anyway, Yeah, cosy time of the year. And I remember that, and I've had this vision several times, that I'm sitting there in my own world aware of the noise that's going on around you, and I'm smiling. And the reason why I'm smiling is this, that I came into this world, that I did my very best, that I lived a life that was ethical, I went everywhere I went with a, with a, a depth of love in my heart for everyone, that whoever's life I touched, I touched for the better, even those people who I upset, ultimately it was for their own good. Mm. Uh, that I had huge success in my work, in my relationships, in the relationships that I had with wider people, that I touched the world, that I left a legacy, I managed to change people, and I managed to change the world to some degree or another for the better, and now it's my time to go. I have no more regrets. And that's it. And that's, then I close
0: my eyes. That's, that's incredible. incredible. I've got goosebumps with that. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's,
1: that's where I want to be. Thank that's you. Where for, be. That's thank what ultimate for success share, looks like.
0: Thank you for sharing mm. that with us. That's really. Thank, well,
1: but you know what? We, we measure our success by saying, you know, I want, to be, I want to have made a million pounds or five million pounds. Or we set those kind of targets, don't we? Or mm. by the age I'm 30, 40, 50, 60, I want to be this. But actually, the ultimate of it surely is the moment of your death.
0: Mm.
1: What would, what would you want to be looking back on? Yeah. And that's it for me.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. We do, um, we do like the Dickens process with some of our guys, and it's incredible yeah. how it actually shifts their mindset. It's crazy. So, the last question: Who is your most inspirational client, and why?
1: Who is my most inspirational
0: client, and why?
1: Client. Okay, so what are my clients? Who's the most inspiring? Yeah, who's your? You don't most... have to give
2: a name because we know yeah. client confidentiality. But just it's give me that... a bit of a story behind what she, <laughs> how, why they, why they're so inspiring to you.
1: Okay. Okay, going back to my three C's: consistency, being concerted, and being constant. Yeah. Uh, there is one client that I've got who has been my client. She started with me. Um, she was one of my first clients, so started with me about eighteen months ago. Mm. And if I were to say to you that she cannot live without seeing me once every two to three weeks but applies everything that we've talked about in our sessions to her life and has demonstrated the most incredible of changes to her mind, body and spirit and relationships, she's a completely transformed character to the person that she was. She still doubts herself now Mm. about different things. She doubts herself now because she's outside of her comfort zone. She's living life outside of her comfort zone in her growth zone. Yeah. So her doubts now are healthy doubts, but they are still doubts that we can put to bed. We mm. he, he understands this concept of lying to yourself. Yeah. And she works on that concept of lying to yourself. So she has inspired me to carry on doing what I'm doing because I can see the results that it's had on her.
0: Fantastic.
1: Another inspirational client, and it's just popped up because I've on my computer screen in front of me, I have uh, some testimonials that a friend has put on other people, my, some of my clients have written on, and her name was just popped up. This lady was, a, she was one of my first clients before I actually made my business public. So I was still just a uh, servant st- a, a police officer in my little flat, and this client came to me. She was from Saudi Arabia, believe it or not and uh, she was from saudi arabia and she was a, a doctor in saudi arabia going through the most horrific relationship issues with her ex-husband and now the laws in saudi, saudi arabia are so challenging for females it's incredible yeah mm. um they can't start a divorce off and if, and they are essentially the husband's property yeah so if the husband doesn't want to have a divorce that's it you're stuck but uh, we did a lot of coaching. We did a lot of work on self-belief. We did a lot of work on, lot of attraction, and she was reluctant to start off with because it didn't fit her mindset, you yeah. know, where she was. But she persevered, and she reluctantly did what I asked her to do. And if I were to say that two years on, uh, she's now um, a doctor in the UK. She actually has an international business. She, she started off an international business, she has 13 employees in a global business around healthcare Wow! and she's operating as a doctor here, she managed to escape Saudi Arabia from here fantastic. and she's uh, going from success to success, she inspires me all the time.
0: That's amazing, what an amazing mm. story, that's fantastic,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes me feel so good every time I think of both of those women, they're, they're both incredible. That's both brilliant. Incredible. And, what and they're just leaders yeah all
0: right. definitely 100 percent, 100 percent. and what an absolutely wonderful story to kind of finish on there yeah. really cool thank you so much for joining us we well, really really appreciate that's it really it's been wonderful yeah. and i'm so pleased that you've shared some of your vulnerabilities and your wisdom it's been brilliant
2: and i've learned i've learned a lot from this uh this podcast today as well so our listeners are going to learn so much from you guys
0: definitely thank you cool
2: thank you very much
1: you
0: guys
2: as
1: well you're incredible human beings both of you thank you
0: so guys thank you so much to listening to this edition of the fit mind project um, with laura and barry and cool um, and we will see you next time with uh, another inspirational amazing human being